0: Hey y'all, if you know me in real life, you know that what you see is what you get. I'm pretty authentic. But you also hear me say how much I love supporting worthwhile causes and people. I feel like support, that's basically where you put your money, is the most powerful tool that the internet has to offer. And it gives you a voice to your dollars. The cool folks at Anchor have made a way for you to support your favorite podcasts, such as Chats from the Blog Cabin. If you're in the U.S., You can visit my podcast profile on desktop or mobile browser to give a little monetary support each month. Whatever you can afford, basically. If you do want to donate, it will be greatly appreciated. So go to my page, Chats from the Blog Cabin. You can find my page at anchor.fm backslash chats from the blog cabin. I'll do my best to pay it forward through content and giving back. y'all welcome to another episode of chats in the blog cabin the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life I'm Melissa your host and owner of the blog cabin today I'm chatting with Tamara from Light's camera family we chat about blended families co-parenting during COVID-19 raising culturally aware children and more so you know what I need you to do that's right start listening Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. I am joined by a very special guest, Tamara, as in see ya, Tamara. <laughs> And Tamara. That's is right. That. She is with That Blog Also Lights Camera Family. So Tamara, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, thank you so much, first of all, for having me on, there, on here. Um, I'm so excited to always watch your Chats from the Blog Cabin. Um, So I am thrilled to be a guest. Uh, Well, my name is Tamara, and I am an actor and a mom and a stepmom and a writer and a blogger. So I freelance write, and um, I also have my own blog, Lights, Camera, Family, where I talk about co-parenting, step-parenting, sort of our adventures as a blended family, and I also cover some travel and some local news.
0: Yeah. You're one of the people that a couple of years ago, you submitted your photo for my um, positive women. um, I remember that.
1: Yes. I mean, that was great. And I submitted this crazy picture that I never thought would ever see the light of day, but um, I sort of rose to the challenge. And um, yeah, I think that's out there on the internet somewhere. Yep.
0: It's definitely out there on the internet for sure. Now, (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about blended families. I mean, obviously yeah. you have how many of your own and how many of your husbands?
1: So I have three biological children and I have one what I like to refer to as bonus daughter. Oh, I love that bonus daughter.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you handle the challenges? Because obviously co-parenting cannot always be easy, especially when you have different schools and things like that.
1: I mean, absolutely, Melissa. Co-parenting can be a real challenge, and especially right after divorce. Um, You know, divorce is pretty tragic all around for everybody involved. Um, And so I've always viewed co-parenting as um, it being my job to sort of minimize the trauma to the kids. So, um, it wasn't always easy. You know, there are a lot of bad feelings after many divorces. Um, there certainly were in my case. Um, and it's been a bumpy road, but I really feel like my ex-husband and I have gotten to a great place where, um, co-parenting is pretty seamless and, um, has had a really positive effect on the kids.
0: Now, how, did you introduce the, your kids to your, husband's, your, your bonus daughter? Um, how did you introduce them?
1: So it's funny because we didn't really plan on an actual introduction. Um, as I've mentioned, I'm an actor and my husband is an actor as well. And we happened to be on a film set where our kids were doing a commercial um, and his daughter was in the commercial as well. And they sort of met on the set. Um, so when they first met, they sort of had this really interesting instant connection. Um, and so there was never the worry for us, you know, are the kids going to get along? Because we saw that they were getting along pretty perfectly and seamlessly without us even trying.
0: That's pretty cool. Did they know Yeah, they knew that that was the daughter and stuff? So that's pretty cool.
1: No, 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 no. They had no idea. And they became fast friends. Um, And, you know, the goal for us was never to, you know, we knew that if we were to have a relationship, um, one of the most important things would be for the kids to get along. You know, if that piece wasn't going to work, we were not going to work. Um, And we sort of always knew that. So um, we found moments to um, connect you know all the kids together whether it was with an activity or taking a walk or going to the playground um, and really didn't put any pressure on them getting along and we certainly didn't put any pressure on our relationship um, when it came to you know how it was going to be blended we kind of just let things unfold naturally and we were really lucky and i like to say we're one of the lucky ones because not everyone has that same experience um the kids got along great from day one
0: now how soon into the relationship with your husband did you introduce the kids Because i know that's a lot of parents
1: worry about that a lot so it happened you know like i said being unplanned because they all happened to be in the same place at the same time so it was really soon after we started dating um, we probably, if we had and had had any control over it, we probably would have waited a bit. Um, but my husband and I, you know, were very solid in our feelings for each other. And um, it, it worked out okay.
0: Did you know when you were introducing them that they were going to be like um, brothers and sisters? Or were you not in that part of your la- relationship yet? Um, say, that, say that first part again. When you were introducing them, did you know that
1: that you were definitely going to be married or were you not that far into your relationship? So we were not that far into the relationship. Like I said, one of the main pieces was going to be, you know, will the Splendid family work? Um, You know, we're in the theater and we're both very dramatic and we can't have any other drama. So if there was going to be any drama with the kids, that would have, I think, significantly impacted our relationship. I think for me, it was always a matter of putting the children first. Um, Were they happy? Were they okay? Were they emotionally healthy? Were they prepared to welcome someone new into the family? How did they feel about that? Everything I did at that time was really ensuring that they were first priority for me.
0: Now, how do you handle, like I know you, you say you have three of your, three, Mm-hmm. Biological and one bonus daughter. How do mm-hmm. you the custody? Are they normally
1: together at the same time, or is there off weeks? Or so we're very lucky, and everybody again has different custody um, situations. Um, I'm very lucky because my ex and I have a very flexible schedule, and what that means is, you know, we we never wanted to ha- go to court. There was never a need for us to go to court. We knew from the moment that we had separated that we never wanted a judge, if we could help it, to be in control of our time with our children. So um, we worked out a basic custodial schedule, which was every other weekend, and Mondays and Tuesdays. So um, for example, my ex would get them Monday, Tuesday, I would get them Wednesday, Thursday, and then we would swap out every other weekend. and so when um, my husband got his custodial schedule, we were just very easily able to be flexible and just join that same schedule. So all the kids are on the same schedule. Oh, cool. um, yes. So my ex and I continue to have a lot of flexibility, which I think is really important. Um, you know, sometimes I hear about, you um, moms post-divorce complaining about the custodial arrangement. And this is my day and this is my time. And he's asking for them on my day. Mm -hmm. And I have a very different kind of relationship with my ex-husband. So for example, if my custody is on Wednesday um, and it's my day with the kids, but he knows of this great fair happening an hour away and wants to take them to it, I will very gladly say, go ahead and take the kids. I'll make up that day some other time. No worries. Um, And what's worked out beautifully. And one of the other issues that I hear a lot of blended families have is sort of um, people not recognizing that the kids post-divorce may have another family that they're very attached to, very close to you, care very deeply about. So um, my ex-husband is wonderful in terms of, if my stepdaughter is with us on that particular day and he wants to take the kids out for an ice cream or paddle boarding or to go see a movie, he will take all four children. Oh, that and that was- Awesome. It, it's, it's really awesome because it, it, you know, the first time that happened, um, it really helped validate to all the children that they are family. Um, lots of times people will, you know, say, um, you know, if it's not biological, you know, if they're not biological, you can't possibly love them the same. And you know, my point of view is that when you make any sort of deep commitment to a child, or to your family, that is—that's what love is. That's what family is. Um, you know, we don't consider each other. You know, I say bonus because step is just gosh. There's so many negative connotations to that. But. Um, you know, we're we're just family. Um, it was interesting because in the beginning of, of uh, our blended family situation, the kids would be sort of hesitant to call us step parents in public,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which was really interesting. So for example, you know, I'd go to ballet class and someone would say, um, oh my gosh, your daughter looks just like you. And I remember she would look at me, this is my my bonus daughter, to see what my reaction would be. Um, because obviously, she, she's not my biological child. Um, and I would just say, thank you. Just thank you. If it's there was no need to explain, I wouldn't. Um, because the kids didn't want that. They didn't want to be perceived differently. Um, and as far as, you know, as the years have progressed and we we've bonded even more and we're even closer, um, they're, they feel much more free to talk about their two homes um, because they have a lot of other friends that have that same situation. You know, there are a lot of blended families out there now.
0: Yeah, there are so many. Now, are, what tips would you give? Because obviously you're kind of in mm-hmm. success on that. What kind of tips would you give people that are blending their families?
1: Well, I mean, I can only speak for my particular situation. So I'll tell you from my personal sort of view. um, You know, some of the things that I did to establish a great relationship with my um, bonus daughter is to really let her take the lead. Um, You know, there was never a feeling for me because I'm already a a biological mom to three. There was never really a need for me to feel like I am her mom, um, if that makes any sense. You know stepmoms get sort of this really bad rap for wanting to kind of push the bio mom out of the way and take over that mothering role. I can assure you 99% of stepmoms don't want that at all. Um, and part of the reason is we really don't get a lot of credit. You know, it's funny when my husband says, I'm a, I'm a stepfather. Um, he gets accolades and, oh, how great. And and you can love other children that aren't your own. And you you kind of stepped up to the plate. And I don't get that same reaction when I say I'm a stepmom. Um, it's sort of viewed very differently. You know, we're viewed as, oh, we want to um, take over the mom role or, or overstep boundaries. Um, and like I said, I it, it's really not the case. Um, but what I did to sort of... Um, Ensure that I would have a good relationship with her is I just as I said I let her take the lead, um, you know when she wanted to sit and talk with me or snuggle, that's when I sat and talked with her and snuggled. Um, one of the things that was really important in our case because we I did already have three children, I had you know my own rules at the house, our own um, you know our own lifestyle. So, it was probably most difficult for my bonus daughter coming into a family that's already set up with three siblings who have a specific bond um, and who know me really, really well. Um, you know, the kids just had to adjust to one extra person. She had to adjust to four different people. Um, so, letting her take the lead, giving her sort of the same rules, um, including her. Um, in everything that we did with the other kids, I have to say that when you're a mom to more than one child, it's very easy to figure out who needs more of your attention at any specific time. So, for example, if my son had a really bad day at work um, or a stressful day at school, um, he might be the one that I pull aside in the evening to watch a favorite movie, and that that's something that you kind of do when you're a mom of, of lots of kids. And in the beginning, um, my bonus daughter is the one that got lots of the attention. She got lots of extra sort of um, time, you know, time with her dad and time with me, time with the both of us, so that she could kind of adjust to what it was like living in a whole new family.
0: Now, um, how are you handling COVID with the custody arrangements?
1: I can imagine, that's a
0: nice
1: kind of. You know, it has been surprisingly not super stressful because all three families are um, equally as concerned about the pandemic. Um, Everyone equally is using masks and social distancing and not really seeing people who aren't doing those same things. So we've kind of been our own little unit. Um, So custody has remained the same. There haven't really been any changes, um, as far as dealing with COVID, you know, it kind of hit us out of nowhere. And suddenly there were six of us in the home the entire time on Wi-Fi, schooling, working, trying to get work done. My blog suffered terribly just because I had my hands just a little bit full. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we're having discussions about what we're going to do moving forward. Um Again, I'm very lucky because um, you know, I respect my ex enough to value his input. So those discussions about, are we going to continue doing virtual? Are we going to let them go back to school? Um, we have four kids and three different schools, and everybody is doing something a little bit different. So, we have to sort of manage that and figure out what's going to really be the best thing for our family. Um, so, those are discussions that we're having with um, the bio parents.
0: Yeah, I know having my girls there at three different schools, three different ages at one time. <laughs> was, yeah, if I can imagine bringing more parents into the mix. I just
1: can't even imagine that chaos. I, I just, it's, it, it can be absolute chaos. And I feel like I'm always in the carpool lane. And there's always something that I'm forgetting to do, and some assignment, something I haven't signed off on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a challenge when school is in session. When it's virtual, it has its own level of complicatedness.
0: I, I, have there been fights over who gets on the Wi Fi or somebody <laughs> Wi Fi because you're taking up too much bandwidth, especially if you're doing
1: <laughs> school? Yeah, so there's a lot of um, scheduling at the house. You know, who needs the, who needs to be on a Zoom at ten? Dad's got to teach a class. Um, you know, he's a professor of theater, so he's got to teach a class at ten. Who else has a Zoom? Everybody else off the internet. So there's lots of sort of chaos, um, and we worked out kind of a little schedule. We just sit down, we figure out who's gonna have to be zooming when, um, and of course, there's a Wi-Fi booster that helps. So you definitely gotta be the schedule queen then, I guess. Yes, yes. And I'm you know, I'm very lucky and fortunate that um I really always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. It's sort of, you know, I've wanted that since I was a little girl. My mom worked all the time and I really missed her. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be raised by my very loving grandmother who recently passed away at 94 years old. Um And um, I always knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I was blessed enough, fortunate enough to be able to do that. So I kind of thrive in this. I know there are moms out there who are like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for kids to go back to school. Um, I just love having them home. Um, You know, I'm trying all kinds of new recipes. We're, you know, reading books aloud. I'm like such a, I'm one of those complete dork moms who is going to be sad when they go back to school.
0: I know we were talking before we came on about how you were, you were one of these moms that cry when the kids go back to school. Most moms aren't cartwheeling in the (laughs) ways.
1: No. And I've got, um, my oldest is starting his senior year Mm. and my heart is just breaking for him because he's already, you know, he missed junior prom in the spring. I'm so fearful that, um, he's going to be missing out on all these you know opportunities and, This year has been sort of, you know, in my mind, it's sort of a really long goodbye because he heads off to college next year. Um, And I'm trying to just enjoy as much time as possible, as many hugs as he'll allow me to have um, and cooking his favorite meal so that I feel like he'll miss me at least a little bit and want to come at some point on the weekends. Um, so I'm constantly like, I know I want to teach you how to do your own laundry, but how about I do your whole laundry until you go to college? So he's got a reason to come back.
0: Well, but then he's probably when he comes back, mom, I
1: didn't have time to do my laundry. Or I ran out of chores. <laughs> Can you do it for me? <laughs> and that'll, and that'll be okay. That'll be okay. I'm really interested because there are four kids with very specific bonds between them. I'm really curious to know what's going to happen with our family dynamic once he goes, um, it'll it'll be interesting. I know especially the youngest is gonna miss him like crazy.
0: Now as far as the age of your kids, um, where does the mm-hmm. bonus daughter fall in was she the
1: young is she the youngest or does she fall in between the So I feel like it was meant to be so my oldest um, just turned 17, my second oldest is 15 my bonus daughter is 13 and my youngest is 10. So it was sort of perfect. And I think that has, um, I think that's one of the big reasons that they bonded so well. um, And it was pretty seamless. Um, You know, she bonded with my 15 year old very early on, um, and they're best friends. They share a room together. Um, You'll always hear them like coming up with, you know, shenanigans. Um, So, yeah, the age really worked out in our favor.
0: Well, I will say for your son, I mourn for him, too, for his senior year, because Gracie, my youngest, is actually her senior year this past year. And she chose mm-hmm. not to even go through graduation because her sister's oh. here. So, so oh, I mourn so with you. So sad. Hopefully it'll clear up so he'll at least have his graduation so you can yes. see him walk across the
1: stage. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I've been waiting for that day for a long time. So fingers crossed that he gets to experience that for sure. Oh. I mean, honestly, with the first one, you definitely want to see it.
0: Third one, I kind of left it up to her to so you're adult enough because she's 18. She's just 14. Yeah. I'm like, you decide what you want to do and I'll do whatever you want me to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And for the oldest one, I think we're thinking the same thing. We're just going to kind of let him decide what he wants to do.
0: And then plus two, plus the oldest one is the first one that they walk across the stage. So it's the, your first baby graduating. So it's like you I know, you made it as a parent, but it's like, yes, finally, you know, even though you don't want them to leave, but you're so proud of that moment.
1: Uh, and I can't wait. I mean, I'm so proud of all of them for different reasons right now. And I just can't, I, I treasure all those moments. I'm like, you know, the photo queen. I take like a zillion pictures and annoy the heck out of them. They're always like, oh my gosh, mama, please. Enough with the photos. So, yeah, I can see I'm going to be a sobbing mess, taking loads of pictures and um, being super proud and happy.
0: Okay, we'll be right back. I have a word from our sponsor.
1: Hey, y'all, welcome to Summer Sunflower Fields at Odin Farming Company. We'd love for you to come visit with us. We're open Tuesday through Thursday and Sunday from four to eight and Friday and Saturday from four to nine. $5 $5 admission includes a visit with the pasture gang, the playground, the beautiful fields, and three flowers to carry home. So come see us at 1426 Claridge Nursery Road, Goldsboro. Check out our website, com or follow us on social media. We sure hope to see you soon.
0: One of my favorite places ever to go to.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the incident at New York Bagel and Deli. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's interesting because, um, you know, there's so much going on now with, you know, in the world besides the pandemic. I mean, as you know, I know you've done a series on Black Lives Matter and people of color. And um, I was born into a multicultural home. And what that meant is my parents are from Argentina. My grandmother was from Ukraine. And so I grew up speaking Spanish as my first language. Ukrainian as my second and English as my third. Um, And I lived in New Jersey and New York where life was very multicultural. Um, I was born in Newark, New Jersey and lived in a very ethnic neighborhood, was constantly surrounded by different ethnicities and different cultures, different races. And so um, even though I went to a private Ukrainian Catholic school there, um, I was still exposed to so much culture and diversity. And um, you know, I would hear my parents talking about that time when they received a phone call from you know a bank or some sort of solicitor, and the solicitor would make comments to them about um, not being able to understand them, you know, because obviously they have an accent. Um, they came here from Argentina uh, when Mom was pregnant, and I was born here. Um, So I always heard the stories, um, but I I never was impacted. You know, obviously I don't have an accent. I don't look traditionally Hispanic or Latina. Um, I think I'd take more after the European side of my family. And because I was raised in sort of that multicultural, delicious, beautiful environment up North, um, when I first moved to Cary, um, probably within the first two weeks that I was here, Um, I had found this great bagel place. And for those of you that know it's New York Bagel and Deli right across from Waverly Place next to Harris Teeter. Um, And I was so happy to have found a great place that reminded me about New York um, or of New York. And um, I spoke Spanish to my kids at home. That was super important to me. Uh, My ex-husband spoke Ukrainian to them. He happened to be Ukrainian. So we were passing that on to our children. And one of the things that was really important to me is speaking Spanish to them out in public. I didn't want it to be something that was hidden in the home. I didn't want them to be embarrassed about the fact that they spoke Spanish or or came from you know, a family um, that spoke something other than English. So I always made a point of speaking to them in uh, Spanish uh, out in public or Ukrainian. And um, I was at the, the deli place, um, the bagel place, And I put my kids at the table, they were younger. And in Spanish, I said to them, "Eh, which is basically, you know, stay right here, I'm gonna go get some milk and a coffee for me. And there was an older gentleman um, who was in the restaurant. And if you know anything about this place, it's very small and it was very crowded on the weekend. And um, he very abruptly stood up, and very loudly, said um, something to the effect, and I can't say exactly what he said, but I'll sort of paraphrase: mm. um, these these darn people who come here to America and don't learn the language and don't um, have you know the decency to not speak a language that doesn't belong here. And he left the restaurant, and. I suddenly had all these eyes on me, of course. Now, no one said anything to me, but certainly everybody looked over to me because he was that loud and that sort of obnoxious. Um, and I remember my mouth sort of dropped open and I had no words. I, I, I didn't even know what to say or how to explain that to my kids who spoke English as well. Um, and it wasn't until he walked out the door <laughs> <laughs> but I had a million things to say. Um, and I said them to the group that was left behind in the restaurant, um, you know, at the at the bagel place. Um, but I just remember thinking how sad it was that someone would feel that way, you know, how sad it was that, you know, in the town that I've chosen to be my home, um, I was made to feel that unwelcome in just, you know, a minute's time. Um how sad it was that somebody couldn't think um, that person is so educated. They they must know more than one language. How wonderful, which is, you know, if you go to Europe, everyone sort of is raised with two, three more languages, and it's not something that's as common here. Um, and it was that day that I sort of vowed to not only continue speaking Spanish in public, but speaking to any Hispanic people that I came across to in their language, um, and um, you know, take advantage of the fact that I don't look Latina, but I can certainly spot um, a fellow Hispanic and make them feel at home and welcome. Um, it wasn't the only experience I had. You know, I've seen discrimination firsthand. I've seen, you know, I remember being in an urgent care. And um, a, Hispa- a Hispanic man trying to ask the receptionist to please use the phone. Um, and just the way that receptionist was um, looking at him and telling him, "I well, I don't understand what you're saying. I, I'm sorry, I don't understand." And me needing to step in to translate for him when he just was trying to, you know, I think it was he was trying to call a cab to take him home. Um, this is before Uber. So I've come across a few of those situations and, um, you know, I I sort of put a bee in my bonnet to continue educating my children, uh, continue, you know, making sure that they remain really open-minded, really loving to each other, to others. Um, I'm really, really proud of the fact that I belong to a church that does um, anti-racism training Um, and the kids all participated in that training back in January, February. So very timely. Um, and they all wrote up, you know, ways that they were going to, um, help with, you know, uh, be against microaggressions and, um, support the black community and support other cultures, um. And races. Um, And I I think it's super important. I think it's our responsibility as moms to ensure that, you know, we're putting citizens out there into the world that are just a little bit better citizens than we are. Um, I want them to be proud of their world and the world that they're growing up in.
0: Yeah. And I applaud you for continuing the language with your children. That's one thing I wish my girls were like, let's say, mom, I wish dad would have taught us Spanish when we were younger because, you know, he's Hispanic, mm-hmm. he's from Mexico and they're like, mm-hmm. we understand it. We don't understand it enough to speak it. And it's kind of like, Ugh. and they actually had in California, they went to a taco stand and people were laughing at them because of their Spanish that they know. And they were like, oh wow. Discrimination with them. And they're like, right. me, you know, we're Hispanic too. But it's like, they're not Hispanic enough for their Hispanic friends and they're not white enough for their white friends. So they're kind of caught in the middle there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and I hear that a lot. You know, a lot of Hispanics come to this country and are so proud to be here. You know, my dad um, could not wait to become a US citizen. Neither could my mom. I mean, they cried tears of joy as did my grandmother. They all became US citizens. Um, But a lot of Hispanics come to this country and, you know, have that same feeling. They love the United States and they want their children to sort of, um, you know, integrate into um, America. And so they insist that their children speak English and not remain in kind of the old world that they lived in. So I understand. Um, It was something that was always very important to me. And I think we were successful because there were two parents in the household who felt the same way. Uh, We were completely on the same page. You know, my ex husband did not know a word of Spanish. So um, that was really, really brave of him to say, Yeah, that's what I want as well. I want our kids to know Spanish first. I'll speak to them in Ukrainian. Um, And it's funny how easy it was when they were little. Um, It's harder now, to be honest, to get them to speak in the other languages just because, you know, they go to school all day in English. They're away from me. You know, they play outside with their English friend, English speaking friends. All their activities are English-based, you know, movies, everything else. It was much easier when they were little.
0: I know, but I've seen you at, at blogger events with, I think, your daughter and your son. Mm-hmm. Both, and you spoke mm-hmm. Spanish to them while you were out there. And I was like, oh, look at her go. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And like I said, it's funny how, you know, that that experience that I had in Carrie really affected me um, and and the kids. And I tell that story to them all the time so that they remember that next time they're in a situation like that.
0: Okay, what about your bonus daughter? Does she speak any, or is she learning
1: or does she already come in speaking? It's very funny. She, If you hear her speak Spanish, it's it, she has a better accent than some of the other kids do. She's got this really uncanny ability to mimic accents. Uh, she takes Spanish in school. Um, she thinks it's funny that, um, you know, if I get, um, very riled up, I'll speak Spanish, but she's slowly learning and she's learning a lot from my parents as well.
0: Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. I love how you're mm-hmm. keeping the culture alive because a lot of people, when they come and they marry, mm-hmm. they marry an American or they marry someone from another culture they mm-hmm. don't necessarily keep the culture that they grew up in alive. So how are you doing that besides just speaking Spanish and Ukrainian to your kids?
1: Well, a lot of it has to do with um, extended family. So doing things like, well, we go to multicultural festivals a lot. Um, that's important. Uh, we do it with the cooking. You know, my mom makes the best empanadas. Mm-hmm. Um, she oh. makes these traditional dishes. My grandmother would make, you know, which are stuffed cabbage and pierogies and English. And so, A lot, a lot of it has to do with the food. Um, A lot of it has to do with the music. Um, I play Spanish music, and you'll hear us sort of duetting sometimes, um, incorporating books when we can, and um, making sure that they're taking Spanish at school as well.
0: That is so cool. Now let's talk about the acting bug. How did you get? on the
1: acting bug.
0: How did you get bit by it? <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't know how I got bit by it. I'm, I'm probably, um, I, I don't know, but since I was like yay high, um, I've always wanted to be a performer. It was just something I did. You know, there was a family party and there was me singing. I can't sing, but there was me singing with like a fake microphone in my hand. So it was always something I wanted to do. And then I think really in about second grade, I was cast at school in, like the school play, which is the city mouse and the country mouse. And I played the city mouse. And all I once that applause came, I mean, I was like sold. Um, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. Um, I tend to be very shy and nervous around people lots of times, but I, I never felt that on stage. And So as I continued, you know, I was always sort of the one choosing to recite the poetry um, in a class concert or or do the little plays. You know, I went off to college. I knew that I wanted to major in theater. um, And I did that and and did lots of theater in college. And after that, decided to pursue it professionally um, for a little while until I realized, you know what? I could probably do this as a hobby and part-time professionally and like own a car and not have to work as a hostess in a restaurant. So um, I sort of abandoned ship, which was devastating to my parents. They really, really, you know, it's all I ever talked about, really. Um, but then after I got married, um, I was able to do more plays and get involved with agents. And so I've done lots of commercials and industrials. Um, I do voiceover work. Um, so, so if you'll call, you know, I don't know, Blue Cross or Blue Shield, and you choose a Spanish option, that might be my voice on the other end. número <laughs> um so um, I've used my language to my advantage too, in that part of my career. Um, my husband's also an actor, so uh, we've you know, we've really bonded over that and he's done things and I've done um, some film, I've done um, a TV series, and he has as well. So we do it part time when you get the job. You know, it's not a gig that you can count on for sure. Um, not a day job here, but there's lots of work available. You'd be surprised. Um, Wilmington has sort of used to be be a good spot to get work. Now it's really Atlanta. So lots of auditions are in Atlanta.
0: So how often do you go to Atlanta then?
1: Not very often. Um, Certainly not these days. So because the industry has changed a lot. You used to have to go in person in order to see the casting director. And now it's all virtual. So just like this, you'll do your audition. You would, you'll would, um, you submit it. And if you get called back for a callback, it's called a callback, if they want to see you again, uh, that's when you might have to make the trip to the actual in-person audition.
0: That is, I mean, that's so cool. N- never would think about
1: being cast virtually. That is like... Yeah. And lots of parts get cast virtually. Lots. I did a, a part on, on drop dead diva. Never saw a casting director. Um, it was all virtual. You didn't drop. Now, what episode were you on? Cause I'm going to have to go
0: back and watch that. Cause I love that. Show. Oh, I,
1: I don't know. You'd have to Google it, but I, um, I played an attorney um, who was uh, prosecuting the lead um, actress in that series. So I think my hair was a bit shorter. Um, I don't know what, what episode number it is but i'll text you later
0: okay because i want to <laughs> go back
1: and see that because i'm like I yeah i love that show i yeah i
0: hate that it's off now but i love the fact that the the, the lead on the show is actually on sweet magnolia sweet
1: Magnolias, yes. yes yes i cannot wait to start that series that's on my actual netflix list
0: oh uh, yeah i would wait till the second season comes out because that first one the cliffhanger yeah is me. good. And yeah. she's lovely. She, she was very lovely. So what other
1: things have you done besides um, um, I've done, I was actually um, in a movie with Carrie Elwies. You'll know him from like Princess Bride and he was a wonderful person to work with. Um, I've worked with Adam Arkin um, and I've worked with, I worked behind the scenes on a show called Good Behavior that Michelle Dockery starred in. Um, that, um, and I I used my Spanish skills and my acting skills for that job. I actually worked in Wilmington for um, two seasons being the translator for the script. Um, In the series, the lead character is from Argentina. And so um, sort of the stars aligned and they had wanted someone on set who knew a little bit about acting and spoke Argentinian Spanish. So I was sort of a perfect fit. I felt it kind of fell right into my lap. And um, I loved doing that. I I did some dialect coaching for the guest stars there who needed to speak Spanish. I wrote all the subtitles on the show and translated the script from English to Spanish when it was um, the actor's time to speak in Spanish. That was probably like hands down one of my favorite gigs I've had to date.
0: Wow. So how long ago was that?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I want to say two or three years ago, okay. about. Yeah. Well, not that far. Not, not,
0: not that long ago. I know you, didn't yeah. you direct a play, a local play in Raleigh?
1: I did. Um, I just directed Boston Marriage, um, which is the David Mamet play, um, which was a great success. I worked with lovely um, students from Meredith College. And, um, yeah that was the last i've only directed two things it might be something i might want to do again in the future it sort of encompasses you know everything that i love working with actors who are like the best people um using my creativity to make a story come alive and being part of this amazing creative team you know between a set designer lighting designer sound designer the stage managers the actors it's You know, I feel most at home in a dark theater, I like to say. Um, That's the absolute truth. So if I could do a show all the time um, and open up my schedule all the time, I totally would.
0: Now, how do you balance work life with family life? Because you said that you really love being a stay-at-home mom.
1: So that's why I said, you know, when I can. Um, My husband and I take turns. So sometimes he'll do a show. Um, I'll be staying at home and then other times I'll do a show and he'll sort of take on more of the, you know, stay at home um, responsibilities. He's lucky too. He's a professor. He's got a bit more of a flexible schedule. He's got summers mostly off, not completely, certainly not during COVID because his whole summer has been spent kind of planning what a fall is going to look like at school. But um, we have that luxury.
0: That is, that's so cool. Is there anything that you have coming up in the works?
1: Not theater wise, Um, I'm looking at a couple projects. Um, I've been contacted about a couple different projects, um, so I can't say anything about them just yet. Um, Auditions for TV and film were sort of halted because of COVID, nobody was working, Um, but that is starting to pick up again. So in the next few weeks, I anticipate that there'll be lots more opportunity for actors.
0: A lot more virtual casting, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So have you, when you were acting, have you ever worked with the same people over um, besides the series, like on a different project?
1: Uh, With the same actors? Um, or Directors or producers? No, I mean, I've been really lucky. I feel like I've been super lucky because I've been able to work with different people. Um, One of my favorite places in town is Burning Coal Theater Company. Um, I love working with them. And so a lot of times I'll get the opportunity to work with the actors that I've worked with before, which is always wonderful because you know, part of acting is um, feeling close relationships on stage and not feeling like you're faking it, if that makes sense. So when you know somebody, there's already sort of that comfort level. Um, you've worked with them before, you know what they're like on stage and it's just fun to get together and play.
0: I was just wondering like maybe if you're up for a role and it's the maybe the same director or producer or somebody Mm. Mm -hmm. maybe you might have an end to get the role that way.
1: Yeah, I mean acting is just like pretty much any other profession these days. It's sometimes who you know um, for sure, Um, who you have a connection with. You know, there's, I don't know if you've heard of Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, Which is (laughs) that funny game, you know, to find out how many steps away you are from Kevin Bacon. And if you there's probably a quiz online you can do to see. Um, And you can always sort of know somebody who worked with somebody else that, you know, Um, and that's sort of a, a life lesson that I didn't learn until maybe my early 20s. And it's something that I tell the kids. You never burn a bridge. Don't ever burn a bridge. You really have no idea how that person who you're choosing to, you know, close off from your life could have affected your life in a positive way down the road.
0: That is, that's such great things to go to live by. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. so, before we wrap up,
1: tell me mm-hmm. one unusual thing about yourself. Oh gosh, trick question. <laughs> one unusual thing about myself. Um, gosh, um, Well, I mean, the the three language thing, if I have to confess something that um, I'm really trying to work on, it's um, my level of anxiety is really strong. The kids sort of um, really know me as the worrier, you know, I worry, they're gonna choke, I worry, they're gonna fall down the stairs, if they're fooling around, I worry, worry, worry. So I'm trying to kind of work on that. I'm not sure how unusual that is for a mom of four maybe all moms are more like this, but I'm kind of working on being a little bit more chill and a little bit more laid back.
0: Okay, and so last minute advice for those that are going into the blended family mode or step- mm-hmm. what's your last tidbit of advice there?
1: So just be patient, don't push it. Don't push it, um, you can't force it. Remember the kids have gone through trauma, be patient, let them take the lead um let them um sort of guide where your relationship goes um and i think if you do that you can't really go wrong okay hey, and tell everybody where they can find you so i'm at lightscamerafamily.com and oh you know i'm on tiktok are you on tiktok melissa no i'm not on tiktok <laughs> so listen i was like anti tiktok um until the uh, pandemic hit And um, COVID equals moms on TikTok. It's a hilarious uh, sort of um, social um, avenue. So um, you can find me there at Lights Camera Family or on Instagram, Lights Camera Family.
0: And on Facebook?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm facebook.com slash camera family. Thank you
0: so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Melissa. This has been great. I'm so jealous of your blog cabin and I'm like working up plans to build one of my own soon, I hope.
0: Well, anytime you're in the Goldsboro area, come on down. You're more yes!
1: Check it out and hang out with me. <laughs> uh, totally. Thank you so much, Melissa.
0: All right, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye. I have yet to Google tomorrow on Drop Dead Diva, but it will be on my list to do this week. I really enjoy chatting with her and can't wait to see what she's up to next. I've turned these chats from the Block Cabin into not only this podcast, but they first appear on Facebook Live, and I even put their interviews on YouTube. So if you miss any of them, there's three ways you can catch up. Thank you for being part of the Chats from the Block Cabin podcast and family. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating and review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting.